more heartbreaking in the world than to go to your box, open it up, and have nothing but two Brad from Jennifer. No special note. No extra effort. Just a standard, ordinary Valentine card that they had to give you because they had to give it to everybody in the class. Oh, breaks my heart. I wanted to give love, but I also wanted to be loved. Valentine's Day. And I think everybody in this room desires that same thing. We want to be loved, and we want someone to love. It's this quest we're on. And it's been this way as long as mankind has been around. Where does it come from, though? Where does this longing come from? Why is that in us? Why do we have this need to be loved? Why do we have this capacity to love? Where does that start? Where does that end? Well, I want to look at a passage in the Bible today. In 1 John chapter 4. And I want to talk about this quest. Because we look for love in all these different places. And as the song goes, I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. We seek satisfaction. We seek fulfillment. We seek love in all these different areas of our life. In all these different ways. And at the end of the day, so often we are left wanting. And we go sit in our room and we flip on uh, Endless Love or one of the other ten cheesiest love songs of all times and we cry because we're not able to get what we long for. I'm hitting close to home, aren't I, today? That's where we all are. We want that. Where do we find that, though? Let's look in First John 4. Let's start in verse 7. It says, Beloved, Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. Famous little section of scripture right there. God is love. What is God? God is love. Verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Let's stop right there and talk about this. Because I'm going to give you three different aspects of God's love. Because I think He's obviously the originator of love. God is love. God is, God is a God of love. That's not all He is, but that's part of His character. He is love. So let's talk about His love. Because I think ultimately that's the type of love that we're looking for. That's the love we long for. And that's the type of love that we long to give to other people. We'll talk about that in a moment. The first thing I want you to know about God's love is God's ultimate love. Let's talk about God's ultimate love. I don't know if you noticed as we read that passage, but this is a sacrificial love. It says there that that God's love was manifested toward us Because that he sent his only begotten son into the world. His love is a sacrificial love. It's a selfless love. It's a love that that he gave without expectation for receiving anything back. It was all about us. It was all focused on our need and what our 
uh, problem was. In, in the uh, languages that the original Bible was written in, Greek and Hebrew, there are many different words that express the concept of love. In English, we say things like, I, I would say, I love my wife, Carrie. I hope you know that. I would also say, I, I love you guys. I could also say, man, I love hot dogs. Now, I hope you would know that I don't love each of those the same. Right? I don't love hot dogs on the same level as I love my wife. But we have one word that we try to use to express our appreciation, our, our love, the feelings that we have for those different things in our life. So we say, I love this, I love that, I love this person. But in, in those original languages, there were many different words that described the type of love that it was. And in this passage, the word is, is, a, is a Greek word that's used, and it's the word agape. You may have heard that word before, agape love. It means a selfless love. It's not thinking about self. It's, it's focused on the other person. It's not about me. It's about the object of my love. Now notice that, that this selfless love that God has for us, it says, was manifested toward us. In other words, it was apparent. He took action based upon his love. It wasn't lip service love. God's not in heaven going, hey guys, I love you. I just call to say I love you. That's not the way God did it. He says he loves us, but there was a manifestation of that love. There was an action that followed that supported what he was saying. And I think that we've got to think about that and put that same type of thing to, to work in our own life. Too many times we are quick to say, I love you, love you, love you. But our actions don't support the words that we say. We say, I, you know, I, I love my spouse, I love my kids, I love my friends, I love my church, I love God. But do our actions support the words that we say? We want proof, do we not, that the person loves us? Proof. I'm from Missouri. Missouri is the show me state. You got to show me that you love me. Don't tell me that you love me. That's another song, by the way. That's a Night Ranger song from the 80s. Don't tell me you love me. Right? I just, I'm full of them, man. You're going to hear them all sermon long. They're just going to come out. We don't just want words. We want action. That's why when my wife tells me, oh, you don't have to get me anything for Valentine's Day. I go, yeah, right. Sure. It's enough that you just love me. Yeah, okay. Go into a little thing called the doghouse when you do that. We want proof. Show me that you love me. And God did that. God showed us that He loves us. He gave us proof of His love. He manifested it to us when He put or allowed His Son to go on the cross and pay our sin debt. That was proof. Now, i got to tell you, there are times in my life when I'm going along and life gets rough and I'm crying out to God and it's like He's not there. He's not answering me. I don't sense His presence. I don't feel like He loves me very much. 
Ever been there? I'm thinking, man, does he not love me anymore? And it's at moments like that that I always, always, always have to go back to that moment in time when God showed his love to me by allowing his son to die on the cross. I have to camp there. All of my life has to be about that moment in time. Because it was at that moment that God said to the world, I love you. This much. And so we've got to live there. We've got to know that. That he loves us that much. But it's not just that he loves the world. He loves you. For a good portion of my life, I knew the the, the concept of God loves the world and that Jesus died on the cross. But it wasn't until I was about 20 years old that I finally understood that that was about me, that that was a personal thing. It wasn't just a general concept that God, oh, God loves the world. No, God loves you. And he loves you so much that he died for you. We have to get that. We have to understand that. You may be here this morning, and maybe you grew up in a home where they didn't show you a whole lot of love. In fact, maybe you got the very opposite of love. Maybe you're in a relationship now where you don't sense the love that you desire. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. God loves you. That's the most important thing that you could ever know. God loves you. Let's look at the second thing. Let's keep reading in our passage. Verse 10. He says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. We'll talk about what that means in a moment. For our sins. So he's going to say, he says, here's love. Let me, he said, let me tell you, here is love. So we've seen God's ultimate love. Here's God's unconditional love. God's unconditional love. You see, God loved us even when we didn't love Him. He loved us even when we didn't love Him. Here in His love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. You see, that's where it starts. His love is unconditional. His love wasn't based upon the way we lived, the way we looked, our economic status, any of that. We were no prize. And yet God loved us. Even when we didn't love Him. You know, so much of what we call love today is conditioned. I'll love you as long as you're loving me back. Or maybe it's based upon manipulation. I'll love you to get what I want. To get what I need. And it's not just based upon selfless, unconditional love. So we have to check our own heart and our own motive. Why am I loving this person? And does my love cease when they don't meet the conditions of my love? You see, God's love is unconditional. It's not based upon how we live, who we are, what we've done. It's none of those things. It is unconditional love. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That love is expressed 
toward us in an unconditional manner. God pursues us with this love. But not in a creepy kind of way. I mean, he's not the God stalker. I know. You know, when you get up in the morning, he's there, hey, how you doing? You know, he's not, it's not that. But he is pursuing us. But he's not overpowering us. In other words, he's not making us do something that we don't want to do. He's just saying, I love you unconditionally. And when you're ready to love me back, I'm here. I'm waiting. One day you're going to realize how much I love you and how much you need me. And then maybe you'll turn your life toward me. I'm here waiting. I love you. Not just saying that, I showed it to you. I died on the cross for you. I love you. And you need me. But the choice is up to you whether or not you'll receive the love that I'm offering to you in an unconditional manner. And despite our feelings toward him, that passage said that he made his son to be a propitiation. That means a payment, an atonement for our sins. He paid the penalty that we justly deserve to pay. You know what it would be the equivalent of, of us maybe having a, a parent that we said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. I'm disowning you. As far as I'm concerned, you're no longer my mom. You're no longer my dad. And we go off and we do our own thing and we sow our wild oats and then we find ourselves in a heap of trouble. We, we're standing before the judge. The judge is levying a heavy fine upon us, a fine that we, in our wildest dreams, could not possibly pay on our own. And who walks through the door but our parent that says, you know what, judge, I'll pay what they owe. That's God. You see, God walked through the door and he says, I don't owe this, but I'll pay it for you. And Jesus became a propitiation, a payment, an atonement for our sin. His love is unconditional. Let's keep going. Verse 11. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and His love is perfected in us. Let's talk about God's unending love. There's nothing that you could ever do that would cause God to stop loving you. And I've talked with so many people in my life that, that are hung up on this concept that they're unlovable because of something that they've done. Let me just say, that's not true. There's nothing that you could have done in your life that would cause God to stop loving you. That doesn't mean He approves of everything that we've done. I don't approve of everything that my children do, but that doesn't mean I stop loving them when they do something that I don't like or don't agree with. God's love is unending. It will never stop. It's always there. That's one way in which it's unending. But here, here's another way, and I don't think we often think about this. It's unending in the sense that it flows to us, but it's not supposed to stop there. It's supposed to flow through us to other people. It flows to me, but it must flow through me to other people. 
It's unending. It is this knowledge that God loves us. And an ever-increasing understanding of that love that enables me to rightly love other people. If I don't really understand how much God loves me, despite who I am, I'm going to have a very difficult time loving people the way that God desires for me to love them. But if I'm solid on that, if I understand that I am loved of God and I'm basking in that love, that is going to give me what I need to love other people the way that He loves me. Did you notice as we started verse 11, the first word in that passage was beloved. He's saying, hey, you, you, church, who are loved, beloved. What's his next phrase? If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. It's this understanding, this knowledge, and I don't use that word lightly, but that's what it said earlier in the text as we started to read. He says, anybody that is born of God and knows God, loves. But then he says, but if you don't know God, you can't love. It's possible to be a believer in Jesus and not love people because I don't know how much He loves me and loves other people. God's love, His unending love, flows to me and flows through me. It's not possible for me to love people the way that I should without God's help. I can't do it. I fail often. Daily. But with His help, And as I begin to understand more about His love, how much He loves me, then I start to see myself changed as I begin to love people in my life the way God loves me. I think it's interesting as he says here, if we love one another, God dwells in us and His love is perfected in us. You see, God's love is perfect. It's a perfect love. But it's also perfecting me. It's changing me. It's molding me. When the Bible uses the word perfect, it doesn't use it in the sense of sinless perfection, or I get 100%, or I do everything right. It means complete. I'm perfect. I'm complete. It's being complete. God's love completes you. Remember that famous movie scene? Jerry Maguire. All, all the ladies are here. Here you go. Anyone? There you go. Thank you. Jerry standing there. Pouring his heart out. You complete me. Ah! I've said this before. I love my wife more than anybody, but she does not complete me. And she would say the same about me. God completes you. God's love is what completes you. And if you go looking for that completion in other people, you're going to be sadly disappointed. We only find that completion. I'm not saying you can't have a wonderful marriage, a great relationship with someone else, find a sense of of fulfillment in in another relationship. Certainly you can. But if we go looking for completion 
in the form of another person, another flawed person, we're going to be disappointed. It's his love that makes us perfect, that completes us. Only his love can do that. You know, we read earlier, it said that God's love was manifested toward us in that he allowed his only begotten son to die in our place. You say, how do I know God loves me? Look at the cross. That's how you know. But did you notice here that it says in verse 12, no man hath seen God at any time. But then right there in that context where he says that no man hath seen God at any time, he says, if we love one another, God dwells in us. Here's what I think. God's love was manifested towards us at Calvary on the cross. And you and I and our ability to love the people in our life the way God loves us is a manifestation of God to them. No man has seen God at any time. But we see the evidence of God in the way that we love one another. It flows to me, but must flow through me as I love the people in my life the way that God loves me. Valentine's Day is all about love. That's great. I got no problem with love. But what we have to understand is that it's God's love that is the model. Our challenge this morning is twofold. The first one is this. Receive God's love. There are people here in this room this morning that need to receive God's love. He died for you. His love is manifested toward you. In an event that happened about 2,000 years ago. Where he paid a price that you owed. That's how much he loves you. You need to receive that. But let's not stop there. There are people here that need to acknowledge that. Maybe you know the general league. Hey, he died for the world. No, he died for you and me. But listen to me. Maybe you've made that decision. You've been a Christian for years. But you don't know God's love the way you should. You took his gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, but you're not basking in his love. You're not resting in that love. Because it's only as we grow in our knowledge of that love that we can begin to love people in our life the way that we should. And so this morning, our challenge, as I said, is to receive God's love. Maybe that's a salvation moment for you where you finally say yes to God. God is pursuing you with his love. He's been after you for years. And it's time for you to say, you know what? I love you too. The second part of our challenge is this. Give God's love. Give agape love, a selfless love. Don't just be the person that takes God's love and then is not willing to extend it to other people. Take it, receive it, live in the power of it, and then allow it to change you, to perfect you, and in the process, give it to other people as it flows through you. So this morning, on Valentine's Day, 
I hope that we understand a little better what it means to receive love and to give love. The love that we're looking for is right before us. It's in the form of Jesus. And the people that we need to be loving most likely are sitting right around us. And we need to allow that love to flow through us. Let's bow our heads if we could this morning. As our heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, let me just talk to you for just a sec. As I said earlier, the most important thing that you can know in life is that God loves you. He loves you. I know there are people here that you don't feel lovable. He loves you. He knows everything about you and still loves you. And maybe there's someone here this morning that has never received that love in the sense of receiving God's gift of eternal life. He sent His Son to be a payment for our sins. And in that event, His love was manifested toward us. If you're here this morning and you've never made that decision in your life to say yes to God, you've never crossed the line of faith, I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I would invite you to pray along with me, just in quiet, in in your heart, just you and God talking to one another. And there's nothing magical about the things, the words that I'm going to pray. There's simply an acknowledgement of a willingness to receive God's love. And so, as I pray, I encourage you to pray along with me. Dear Father, I come to you this morning with a willingness to receive your love. This morning, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. And I want to receive the love that you're offering to me. I want to receive the gift of eternal life that you offer. Lord, I pray that you would wash me clean, make me new, and give me the strength that I need to live for you and to love others the way that you love me. Thank you so much for sending your Son. Thank you so much for showing me your love. I ask all this in your precious Son's name. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer with me. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my lovely little Valentine's box in the back. And if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, take the Connect card that's on your bulletin that you received on your way in. And there's even a little box there that says, Today I received Jesus as Savior. You put your name on that, or you can make it anonymous. doesn't matter to me. 
and just check that box and say, today I, I, I receive Jesus as my Savior. Those of you that are Christians, start receiving His love daily. Bask in that. Live in the power of that love. And allow God to perfect you and use you to love the world. So it's a great day. But I want us to be thinking about the ultimate love today on this Valentine's Day 2010. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you again so much for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gift that you've given, the gift of eternal life. Thank you for your love. Lord, I pray this morning that you would just uh, continue to work, uh, just mold us, shape us, perfect us, all for your honor and glory. Lord, help us to love the people in our life the way that you love us. Father, it's all for you. We just say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let me make uh, just a couple of quick announcements, if, if I could, before we're dismissed this morning.